Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. You know that last week I spoke to you about the favor of God. Can you guys remember? That's great. Somebody remembers. Exodus 33. I said to you that there's a 32 that we sometimes are in and a 34 and that we, 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 we kind of sometimes miss 33, which is the favor of God and show me your glory and we will not go from here unless you go with us, God. Can you remember that? Now, I, in this week, I felt that I, I might have left a, a, a point unstressed or unemphasized from that message. So if you want to give it a broad term, the message is almost part two of favor. But what I am very conscious of, that I will never, ever want to stand before God having told you guys something that is not true in Him. I'm really very scared of that. So we spoke about the favor of God being always, constantly towards us, and, and we have we, we are in that favor, but sometimes I said we, our decisions and our choices affect whether we are in his favor. Did you guys, can you remember that? Now, I felt God say to me that maybe that point didn't come across well enough. So this morning, we're going to look at that a little bit. We've got something with our kids that we say, disobedience gets disciplined. We, for, for those that know us, they'll know, but for those that don't, we call the wooden spoon in our house Proverbs. So I'm sorry for anybody who has to preach to my kids out of Proverbs one day, but they're going to be, <laughs> not Proverbs. But disobedience gets disciplined. And it's part of this point of your choice and your decision that, that gives you access to God's favor or not. It's constantly there. But if you have to be honest with yourself, like I'm honest with you, I don't always live there. Because I get a week like this week where I'm consumed with myself. And I wish I could tell you guys it only happens one out of 52. But unfortunately, (laughs) it happens a little bit more often than that. I got given a book for my birthday last year. Family life of a Christian leader. And the heading is Agape Decisive Love. Now we've preached about Agape in this and Agapaos and Agapa Ato and whatever. We we have preached about it, that unconditional favor of God. But listen to to what he, he says Agape is decisive love. He says obedience is the key that opens the floodgates of God's love. There is no shortage of love in God. But we can block its flow by disobedience. Christian love is decisive. It doesn't always just happen. But it does occur when we love someone to whom we are attracted with intention. Decisive love. Do you as a person know that you have a role to play in in being in God's flow of love and in His favor? 
It's not a topic that we want to talk about because we want to know that God is the benevolent one that's, that's always kind and good to us. That's the part we're comfortable with. Because, oh my goodness, in society today, you cannot make a categoric statement that's based on the Word of God because it's just not politically correct. And if we venture into this realm of saying that disobedience could influence the flow of His love towards you, we are not being politically correct, eh? So we're going to look a little bit at this thing of disobedience. But I want, to, I want to base it on that little thing that the Mayer household has, that disobedience gets disciplined. Is that all right? Can I let you into our house a little bit more today? If you don't mind. So let's read Hebrews 12 from verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as a son? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It's written in Hebrews, but it's quoted from Proverbs. All my kids are twitching again. I want to look at this little thing that, that our... There is a role that we play in, in, in being in God and being in His love and, and being there. And it's, it's a role of obedience. And, and we, we're comfortable with that concept when, when we look at our earthly dads because when we step out of the line of obedience, we get disciplined. And that's how we, we look at this concept. That it's only linked, that, that discipline is only linked to disobedience. We've, we've done that as a household. We've, we've made it. But I want to tell you that that discipline is much broader than an action of a father towards me when I've done something wrong. And now I'm going even further into discomfort. Because are you, are you telling me that God disciplines even when we are in, in His will? Even if we are obeying Him? I want to say yes and I'll explain it to you. Before we get there. Who's watched Rise of the Guardians? Can I tell you the movie? Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, Jack Frost, and Sandy, Sandman. So you're really coming into the household of the mayors today. So Santa Claus is this, this big, tattooed, superhero oak. And he calls Jack Frost, who becomes the new guardian. And he says, come with me, Jack. And he goes into this room, and Jack stands there. And as Jack turns around, the, the door locks. And he throws a little Russian nesting doll at Jack Frost. And he says, who am I? <laughs> and Jack Frost takes the one, and he says, you're the jolly. He's like, I'm jolly. Take it off. But I'm also mysterious. Take the next one out. But I'm also courageous. 
And he goes through a couple of layers of these Russian nesting dogs, uh, dolls. And he gets to this tiny little one. And he says, but Jack, at my center, who am I? And the little character looks at this, this thing and he says, you're a baby with big eyes? And Santa Claus goes, yes, I am wonder. I inspire wonder in children. Who are you at the center, Jack? And it inspired websites full of things where you can go and do a test and it tells you what is your center. What is your, it's absolute rubbish, by the way. But um, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is at the center, for us to understand the discipline of God, we have to know that at his very center, he is this agape, decisive love. I know some of the theologians here, the ones that are much more qualified academically than me, will come and fight me and say, it's not just love. I know that. That's all right. For the argument of us making a point this morning about the discipline of God, I want you to, 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 to for this argument, we're going to say God's center for this argument is love. Can, you, can you, you take that from me? Who wants to disagree with me? You can be removed quickly. <laughs> His center for this argument is the decisive love. The other point that comes into this, understanding this, this, this discipline in God, is that His nature, His very who He is, is constant and never changing. He is not a statue that gets polished and then it shines brighter. When we throw our best music at him. And now he's slightly polished. And he is he's beautiful. He's shining. He is not affected by us. He's uninfluenced. He never waxes. He never wanes. He's uncreated. He doesn't evolve. He doesn't start out as the statue of a man. And grow three extra arms on every side. He doesn't change. Which means that for you, if your theology is based on God became the God of love in the book of Matthew. This morning I want to correct your theology. He was the God of love in Genesis. And he was the God of love in Exodus. And he was this, at the center love in Judges. And in Kings. And in Habakkuk. He is the one who is filled with agape love towards you. He is the one that will forever be filled with that love. It will never change. Never. I'm going to stress this point again. Because if in your mind you are thinking that at some point he became what he is now, you run the risk of thinking he will change again in the future. And then you are building on shifting sand. There's no foundation in God if you do not understand that he is unchanging, constant in all of his nature. That means the God, the God that was holy and sin could not be in his presence did not cease to exist. He is constant. The God that made a way for his people to be in relationship with him after man threw it away in the Garden of Eden is, is, is the same God today, making a way, contending for your fellowship with him. 
He's the God that had to appease his wrath because he couldn't change that. He's uncreated. He doesn't wake up in a bad mood (laughs) and get better as the day progresses with the intake of caffeine. He is constant. Another point I wanted to read here. God is constant. His nature is not our nature. I, as a father, have a fallen nature. My children could sometimes describe me as capricious. One happy and then ah, slightly frustrated and annoyed the next moment. Your nature is like mine. (laughs) But we are constantly shaped and formed into the nature of God. Discipline. For us to understand godly discipline and discipline in God, you have to understand that at his center, he is love. The second thing, that he is unchanging and he's constant. The third thing, what is discipline? Am I saying that discipline is something that happens even when we are obedient? The way I understand the concepts in in the Bible, yes, I am saying that. The words that are used to describe discipline are words that, that resound of nurture and nourish, train and teach. Now, any, any parent here, you, any teacher here, any, any mature person here will, will tell you that you don't just pay attention when your kids are, are ill-disciplined. If God only spent his time training and teaching and nurturing and nourishing me when I am not acting in the way that I should, okay, well, with me, he would spend a lot of time, but... Um, <clears throat> He, he also trains somebody when they are in your presence and they are just there. You teach your children how to, to do something without them having done it incorrectly. You don't sit with your child, first smack them and say, now eat with a knife and a fork. You give them a knife and a fork and you say, eat. And then you say, do it like this, do it like this. They haven't done anything wrong. They just don't have the skill. The word discipline in the Bible also speaks about God transferring certain skills for living every day to us as his children. He's going to train you and I constantly. Not just because we are disobedient to what he has said, but because he knows what he needs to prepare us for and what he is taking us into. Now, if you go and dismiss that the discipline of the Lord is not for me because it's only in disobedience, you will miss out on those training opportunities where he's going to grow you 
He's going to skill you. He's going to equip you. He's going to lift you up. He's going to blow wind under your wings. And he's going to say, fly, fly. But because our nature is not his nature, we sometimes buck against it. Not so? Maybe just me. I don't always like to be taught what to do or to be told what is good for me. Sat with Jude this week. He has to take fish oils. Now that they can do anything in this world, but they cannot make it smell less like fish. I do not understand. A child has to swallow those poor capsules and then like drink fish oil and it stinks. He bucks it. But you know it's good for him. And I'm not doing it to him because he did something wrong. It's just good for him. He has to take it. But he bucks it. The nature of discipline is not just you were wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discipline you. I'm going to wallop you. I'm going to give you a beating. The nature of discipline, if it is rooted in the center of God, which for this argument is love, it is always towards you to make you a better you, to equip you so that you can be constantly in his favor, in his decisive love, and you can flow with meaning in this world. Now, there are occasions when this discipline comes because there has been a mayor moment. Disobedience gets disciplined. The thing with us, because our nature is not God's nature, is sometimes discipline comes out in the form of punishment. You're going to say, I'm playing semantic games here. I'm really not. You know that with God, he's, he's not manufacturing consequences because we have done something wrong. But with earthly punishment, we sometimes manufacture consequences. Another little insight into the Maya family. We don't parent perfectly. Sometimes I have disciplined <laughs> and, and punished my kids. Let me say, I've punished my kids, not disciplined them. Because I manufactured and stood by and let them face consequences that was unnecessary to correct, to train, or encourage them. Because in my nature, I'm not God, and I'm sometimes flawed. Now, guys, don't stress. I haven't beaten my kids into the ER. But it's that thing of now you will see it. Now you will see what you will go through. Now you will go to school with no shoes and you will freeze your toes off and I will chop them off because they have gone black from frostbite. That, that can learn the lesson that they should put their shoes on and then put the shoes on. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is not what God is about. He's not out there to manufacture terrible consequences because you have walked in disobedience. Discipline is there to guide you through the consequences. That is there because of your actions. And he is there because at his center, he is love. 
We know. I mean, am I the only person that has ever gone and bought a dud car? It's just an absolute rubbish decision. You have bought what you thought was nice, but it ended up being so bad, and you couldn't even trade it in because the value was just so low. Like, it, it is the most frustrating thing. But you know, God didn't then say, oh, wait for it. Now you won't even have a salary. You deal with that, you naughty little Johan. Because you didn't listen to me, now I will even destroy everything that you have. No. He was with me in love saying, please, please, learn the lesson. And look what I'm going to do. As you learn the lesson, I'm going to bring hope into the situation. I'm going to bring provision into the situation. Because at my center, when it comes to discipline, I am love. Some of the consequences are instant. It is a moment of pain. <laughs> Another little insight into the Maya family. Our Proverbs is about the size of my leg. It is a wooden spoon. Not a teleboki. It is meant to intimidate as much as it is to inflict pain. And sometimes we just trade on the intimidation. Because... For those that are still kids, parents don't like to discipline. It's emotionally exhausting. Physical also sometimes. <laughs> hey, Mel. We have a sizable Proverbs. And when it lands on their bum, there is a moment of pain. The same thing with God. Sometimes there's just this moment of pain that reminds you, oh, oopsie, let me get back in line. And you can move on. I call it a good old walloping by God. Second consequence is sometimes a little bit longer. It's, it's that one where I've gone and I've been disobedient and the consequences is I can only trade this car in in four to five years. And there's no instant remedy, but there's a long-term character that's being built through the discipline. The fourth one, that's a tough one. It's when we have sinned and we, we're disobedient to the point where God says, our fellowship is broken. Because I'm walking around with guilt and shame, condemnation, because I've acted like a donkey. I've done it again. I've again gone and done that exact thing that I know grieves God. And there, we get caught in our own punishment and not in God's discipline. Because he says, I'm faithful and true. When you come to me and you confess, I will be quick to forgive you. You have to, those are those, those things that you eventually get to the point where you realize your sin and your inadequacies never eclipse the love of God. It is never bigger than that. And that he loves you greater than he hates your f stupidity. And the last one, I find, hurts my heart the most. I've also found it very effective with my children. Is knowing discipline takes on a shape of mercy. Have, have you ever watched VeggieTales? Any parents here has watched VeggieTales? 
the characters are all in the shape of vegetables, and it's Bible stories. It's like um, David and the giant pickle. And um, Jonah is a, I think, a baby marrow. And there are two peas that are Ninevites in the in the, in the this series. So this guy developed this veggie tales to appeal to children to bring Christian principles and lessons from God through in veggie tales. So in Jonah specifically, he arrives, they arrive at a at a restaurant and they, they're eating and the one keeps pointing at the other one and says, you did that and that is why you lost your tickets. The little tomato, I think, had one ticket to a special um, concert or something and then the, the cucumber was jealous and he kept on telling and now you've lost your tickets because you didn't want to share it with us and you were nasty to us and nasty to us and the little piece says don't you have any mercy and they're like what is mercy and he says to them mercy i must think is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting what you do not deserve a lot of truths you can learn through kiddies' movies, I tell you that. But it's when you know that you have been so stubborn and so disobedient. And what you deserve is utter ruin because you, you, are, you, have, you, have, you have blown it. And God says, you will learn this lesson in my mercy. Because it's new and it's fresh every morning. And my kindness towards you is there every day. And he disciplines you like that because at the center of it all, he is love. It's that moment when you can say to somebody else that has sinned against you, it's okay. You stole the money from me, but it's okay. I forgive you. You deserve jail, but I'm not going to prosecute you. Now the consequence. It is when Jesus came to us and said, you deserve eternal damnation and separation from me. But at the center of my discipline, I'm love, and here's a way out. That is why we come here, because we're excited about his salvation, despite ourselves. Last point. And to, to land this, this thing, I need to land it in, in two ways. God's sovereignty. And it's another word that has become such a, almost like a bad thing that you can't say. Because if you say God is sovereign, then you, you're blaming God for all the bad in this world that he is sovereign. It's another thing that we can't say because it's not politically acceptable. But God is sovereign. He was sovereign when he spoke creation into being. He was sovereign when he made a way for us. He was sovereign when he gave himself to make a way for us. And he will forever be sovereign. He's constant. Why am I having sov sovereignty of God? <laughs> Because in discipline, you have to understand that he's got a plan because he is sovereign. And just because he doesn't give you the instant 
discipline. He's choosing to give you the one that builds character. It's nothing to do with you. He's sovereign. And just because he shows you mercy when you have bought a diet car and you're able to sell it for exactly what you paid, but he doesn't show the mercy to me and I have to drive this little skadonk. It's got nothing to do with me. It's his sovereignty that also plays a part in this. But out of the sovereignty, I want to say what God is doing, he is shaping and securing your identity in him. My children receive discipline from me as a father because they know I'm a father and they are a child. I don't know if that'll still be true at 35 and I am 60. That's hectic, eh? Because they would have become an adult. But they will still receive perspective from me because they know their identity is rooted in Christ and I am their earthly father. In discipline, God sovereignly shapes our identity. God sovereignly brings security to you as a child. God sovereignly shapes responsibility in you as an adult. God sovereignly shapes accountability in you for your actions in discipline. And he sovereignly creates impact in this world intentionally when he disciplines you, either in a state of disobedience or just in his teaching, teachable moments. Second way I want to land this thing. Is what is your role in discipline in God? And that's what we're going to lead into communion this morning. Because I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a few questions when you have communion this morning. I want you to ask yourself, is there a disobedience discipline moment at the moment in your life that you might have not recognized because you've been a donkey this week, like I have, and you've been self-absorbed, and the world is about you and revolves around you, and woe is you because I don't deserve this. And you have to come to terms with the fact that I am facing consequences of my action that is affecting my presence and the flow of God's love in God's love and, and his flow through my life. The second thing I want you to ask yourself when you have communion this morning is how do you respond when God comes to you and says, here's a teachable moment. This is not my disobedience discipline. This is my discipline, which is training, nourishing, nurturing, and teaching. You see, if you don't understand that God is at his center for this argument, love, you are going to receive that discipline as something bad. You're going to receive it as punishment. Do you find yourself more often in a point of, woe is me, I'm condemned, I'm guilty, because you don't understand that his heart towards you is love, and that is why he disciplines you. Last question. When you have communion this morning, 
Can you submit yourself and say, God, what do you want me to do? Maybe it is that you have to drive this car for the next four years. Even though the wind noise is so bad, you can't even hear anybody speak to you in the car. Because at his center, when it comes to discipline, God is love. Let's have communion.